0: That isn't just about, you know, me. It's not just about my particular, like, Southern California swimming structure, personal trainer, whatever, life. It's things that all humans go through. It's stuff that I can share with all of humanity. Movement has become my purpose, and my soul life goal is to share these things and to, to make other people's lives more valuable and get them to share that with others because there's nothing that I've done through movement that hasn't spread positivity.
1: Welcome to This Thing Called Movement a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek, a movement guide here to help people find their own unique and authentic relationship to movement through creativity, curiosity and self-expression join me as i dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals from many different fields and backgrounds together we'll gain insight into their own unique movement experiences the transformations that resulted and how movement has affected their lives at large I hope these recorded conversations will inspire and empower you to find your own unique movement journey in your life, in your own way. To this week's episode of This Thing Called Movement. I brought on Gary Stockdale to be our guest this week. Gary is a brilliant, brilliant man. He is a functional movement and aquatic specialist with a background in kinesiology. And he has such a beautiful and unique perspective when it comes to how he orients his work around movement and what he seeks to disseminate with his work and the people that end up coming into his practice. A couple of things that we extrapolated in this interview that I really loved talking about were, number one, uh, the smallness with which people tend to view their bodies and their capacity and uh, both Gary's effort to expand that and how He debunks that for the people he's working with. We'd also discussed the many stories we tend to get wrapped within when it comes to our relationship to movement and what our potential actually is and how many times these are just that, they're stories, not the actual reality. And then finally, the importance of actually being authentically present in a movement practice. Gary put this in such a simple and wonderful analogy of you know paying attention while driving the car and how often when it comes to our movement practice, we're not paying attention when we're in that car or on the road. And these are just a few kernels of a lot of the magnificence that came out of this conversation. So without further ado, I would love for you guys, just go ahead and relax, sit back, tune into the conversation and enjoy. I'm going to actually let you describe to our audience uh, what you do and how you are of service to others.
2: So
0: the hat that I currently wear the most is swimming structure. Uh, um, so I get to work with uh, people of all ages and all abilities through uh, the medium of the planet. But uh, in my history of being the movement instructor started there but also proceeded into getting a degree in human movement and then post having that undergrad degree in kinesiology, working in the rehab field and really starting to discern uh what the foundations of human movement are you know base levels of functioning uh the patterning between parts you know specific movement patterns as it pertains to how you move uh, you know, I've been able to work in the rehab field for seven years. I'm currently not working in rehab because the, uh, my mentor, and my PT, uh, actually broke his hip and he's been at a commission for uh, this entire summer. So, I've uh, mm. been able to do you know a little bit different movement education as a as a vet.
1: Gosh, that's such an exciting place to start. But I wrote down one of those key phrases you said that really stood out to me. Validating pain over seeking empowerment through movement. And that's such an interesting story. And it's such a powerful one that's in many ways being perpetuated by the very industries that are meant to be presenting solutions to that. And I find it so confusing as somebody who's in the industry who watches that and then I stop and I try and imagine what it's like to like not have all the certifications and the degrees and the time investigating it, what it's like to be a regular person and to be bombarded with kind of uh, this weird dichotomy where both of these are connected and yet one story ends up being the more prolific one that you're supposed to rely on.
0: You know, that also that brings up feelings and issues of uh, communication. You know, as people who are in the field of movement and people who want to seek to improve the lives of others and service of others, you know, these people who don't have our language about the body and they don't have our perspective and clarity about the body and how to move it and, you know, dysfunction or function or power or whatever, you know, how, how to get them, you know, to communicate on a level where they feel safe with you being the source of information you know because like you said they're bombarded with everything they're hitting with you know all of these bad ideas about movement about body about things they should or shouldn't be doing you know and because their brain is so cluttered you have to feel like a sure like a thing
2: mm. for them to like
0: want to do whatever it is that you're saying
2: is like good for them you know mm-hmm. so it's, it's this trip uh like you said being a professional in
0: this field with all of these bad
2: ideas,
1: so many bad ideas. Yeah. Like it's also the limitations of, of the ideas that are there, that there's always a right and a wrong way. Um, And I think you and I are both connected to Hunter Cook. And and this is one thing I think he does so, so well, uh, given his prestige and given his, 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 presence in the community and kind of his stardom outside of the community too is he he's so diligent about expressing it's why right what what is the intent behind something and what's your connection to the reason you're doing it and can you be as connected to all those little connecting bits as possible when engaging with a movement versus just doing something because somebody said and what's the actual interrogation going on behind like learning something for yourself yeah exactly it's like, like your intentions and like, do you have intentions you know it's just
0: like are you, are you blindly subscribing to like a certain movement modality or is there something bigger that you're actually seeking with what you're doing you know that's where i think like with hunter a lot of his mobility and like the frc stuff that you know he incorporates and trains really has to do with Um, solidifying positions, and you can see the variety of positions that he entertains, and then you can also see the movements that he goes through, so it it has that clean application, Uh, and and that's why I definitely, you know, I I respect what FRC represents, and uh, a lot of those principles are similar to the principles that I learned in PT, you know, like how to get somebody aware of their parts, you know, just like Mm -hmm. how to educate them on what an elbow, you know, so yeah, like how pure is it, is yeah like, you know is, is the
1: intention pure, and like can a human connect to it? yeah, know? yeah, I love that. Is the intention pure, and can a human connect to it? So I actually I think I'm gonna steer this towards a specific question. You kind of gave us some of uh-huh. the answers, but if you were to kind of take us down the journey that you've been on with movement over your whole life,, uh, what would that look like in terms of what movement modalities have you engaged with? Why? What was interesting to you about them? What led you to the next one? All that good stuff.
2: Usually, you know, like,
1: when I
0: was a kid, like, movements were just like everything, you know. Like I, uh, I rode a bike. You know, I played all the balls sports, and, you know, like I loved handball. There's something so cunning about that uh, that I enjoyed. Um, but then, you know, after. You know, life starts to set in. Uh, you know, I, I played baseball for fifteen years. I wasn't in the best shape, but I played baseball primarily because my dad did. And I mean, I, there are a lot of things that I gained from it, like as far as being a mover and some perspective that I have. But um, I don't think that's a good reason to do anything. Uh, <laughs> does? It, you know. Um, but you know, I was like overweight as a kid. Like uh, I'm like heavier. Like I guess I was an adult at that point in time, but I was uh, 285 pounds, so I got significantly overweight. Um, so, but I had reconstructive ankle surgery, uh, and that led to like a year of rehab beforehand, a year and a half of rehab afterwards, and then some limited movement practice that led up to me being that overweight person, uh, and then. As
2: typical overweight people do, movement kind of became a punishment. You know, like, I had been bad
0: for a long enough period of time that I needed to, like, punish myself to get back to what normal humans looked like. Um, And then after I lost a bunch of weight, you know, uh, I gained a bunch back on because I hadn't really identified what was actually at the root.
2: Mm. Of
0: why I was overweight you know all of the emotional things that I was doing to, to cover up and all of the I'm not good enough that I was trying to remedy with all of the now That they're supposed to work. Do they? Does stuff feel good? Does it feel right? You know, those are those are all the things I re- really care about now. And I think that takes us to current day.
1: Yeah, no, that was beautiful. Uh, I mean, I am interested in digging a little deeper. I think I had seen at some point that you did used to be overweight, and you you like made this massive shift in a very non traditional way. But I love that you mentioned that there was like a period of yo yoing. Uh, where there was actually a deeper level that you weren't dealing with. So if you're comfortable sharing, I'd actually like to dig into that and figure out what, what came through for you. Um,
0: you know, as a child of divorce, as stereotypical as it is, there's stories that propagate themselves. You know, as part of like there's, you know, divorced families across the nation who have a certain demographic of the way things go because uh, we're not taught to love the right way but you know so through that you know uh food was a coping mechanism food was just that instant gratification uh that you know was there for me in the absence of the love that wasn't and that's not to say i didn't have love yeah you know but
2: there is this conflict of me not
0: having a a a healthy male female demographic Mm -hmm. and all of the the weird stuff that my family had to go through as a result of that and uh from there i you know i had to really figure out a different way like, i went on diets and you know the whole idea of being on diets now is just an absurdity like the word diet is just a sucky you know that's that's what it actually means yeah it's not like a thing that you do it's you, you eat <laughs> eat your diet
2: yeah.
0: you know so i
1: Actually, I also struggled with some eating disorders, too, connected to the same things. I started to use my relationship with food as a way to control things or to feed a feeling or to stifle a void. And um, it took it actually took me a long time to get over that. But it was a lot of that sort of deep digging and trying to find that sense of feeling whole and complete and loved. Um through other things, through other people, and most importantly, through myself. But it's it, one thing that kind of popped up for me when you talk about addiction, any addiction really being at the root of not feeling a sense of love. Um, I actually, when I switched from my dependence on food, I switched to dependence on exercise because this was right around the time I began my track as a personal trainer. And I had like so many ups and downs going on in my life at the time. Okay. And I hadn't really, like, figured out, like, my body image, like, stuff and the body dysmorphia and the underlying stuff. And it's interesting because a lot of, like, the popularized fitness world and the popularized way people see movement is to uh, follow and to be impressed by people who are working out like maniacs, like every day, you know, never miss, you know, your time at the gym and all that stuff. And my experience of that, that was that was like a form of addiction. I mean, I remember having days where I would go in crying, like with some of my trainer friends complaining that I was fat, and I was like 13% body fat. And then the next day, I would feel fine. And it was just like this crazy yo-yo. But I, I mean, I was so unhealthy. And yet, I I still see this like there's there's this real push that people have to move more and you have to have discipline, you have to have drive. And I don't think movement should be about discipline and drive. I think it should be about enjoyment and like a thirst for something more or like intrigue and curiosity and 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 exploring things within yourself, within your body and then your experience of your body just for the experience of it versus. this weird way we shuttle movement into exercise and fitness and it needing to be a form of determination and hard work and no pain no gain and all that bullshit
0: i have like friends who are box builders and like the kind of time they get to it. they're like they know what they're doing you know but that's not that's not everybody's life yeah you know that's something you can do as a personal therapist work in a gym you spend time in a gym that makes sense it's not human like you said it's a maniacal the way that uh, the fitness world the fitness world i just hate that fitness world i hate the terminology of fitness world <laughs> me too <laughs> it's like you said it's like these crazy people and everybody like looking at these crazy people they're like big fucking crazy just like no it's not the way it should be uh, and like as a practitioner who wants to do good in the world you know Having, you know, weight loss and, you know, aesthetics and, you know, like body image um, to chase after ads or whatever it is to like have this, you know, like you said, that that ideal body set. You know, it's a perversion of what movement and like the human body are capable of, do, like just culture of movement is so lacking
2: Mm -hmm. in that
0: regard. And that's such a hard sell. How do I tell somebody, you know, that they shouldn't be seeking weight loss, but they should be seeking better function
2: and
1: be like, but it's not cute though. Like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's just so funny because I think movement offers us so much more than that. It's it's I was actually just talking to someone about this. I I hate using the words fitness and exercise because to me, these are like these tiny mutated Bastardizations of what movement really offers. And I think it's so interesting that when I ask people the question of what movement means or how they would define it, like it's like one of two things. People give you some really beautiful, elaborate existential answer, or they kind of like shut down because it's like, well, that's too much to define, you know? And so they have this understanding that it's a big thing and yet their method of relating to it is so fractured and it's so small. It's so small,
0: <laughs> you know the smallness with which they look at movement and, and the potential for their body to move uh, is cringeworthy, you know, and like it, it, it it's so tough to to be in that place for them, but uh, how to be the light to bringing them out of it I don't know I just it yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, I think um the best way to do it is to lead by example right to be so staunchly um well maybe staunch is not the right word but to be so connected to that truth within yourself and to live by it so fiercely that you know people can't help but want to engage with it in some way you know and they'll engage with it in whatever capacity they're they're open to you know some people it's a little more some people it's a little less but at any rate I think showing up and honoring that even in your words and how you're engaging with people and, and, and how you're guiding them, uh, says a lot about, about how we can start to shift this in a bigger way.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to stop being me. I'm not going to stop preaching the, the beauty of movement that I see on a day to day basis at all. It's just, uh, it's so hard to be able to get through in, in a way they don't feel like, like in the rehab field, they don't feel like they've been wrong. Like, you know, it's not, I don't, I, I always come off as like the person who's like, who tells them something that no other professional in the movement field has told them, but it is so commonplace that they break, like, I think break down and cry just from like talking to them about like how their knee works and no, why didn't anybody ever tell me this? And like that, it's so hard to be like, I don't know why they didn't, mm. they weren't looking either, you know, mm. and, you know, there's so many of that person who, there are professionals who are potentially well-meaning uh, professionals, but they guide people down these misguided paths, and then they live their life by these stories, mm. and then I have to chisel away at their life story in order to get them to, to do something that that's healthy for them, that's that's valuable for them, to get to the themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and since there's such a counterculture uh, that's
2: present, that makes it so hard to be somebody who is trying to share love, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I we've thought we've, this we've definitely talked about in, you know, our back
0: and forth on social media, um, but I don't know. I you're the question maker, but I guess I want to know where your head's at
1: on that one. Yeah, I was just kind of even thinking about this as you're describing your experience. That's been mine, right? Being in contact with people and feeling like a lot of my work is like the pushing away, like the chiseling away of these beliefs and these barriers that are actually um, not serving them and limiting the growth and the potential. And that was really frustrating for me because I probably like you, got into this industry because I was like, I'm going to be able to help people. And you have an idea of what that's going to look like, right? You're like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to educate them about their body. And, and you know, they're going to listen and be so excited and like see things the way I do. Right. And and I, that does sometimes happen. Um But a lot of it is the stripping away. I I find the last two years, because I do, I work with older populations, a lot of what I'm debunking for these people who are in their 70s and um, 60s, and even in their 40s, are like the stories around age, the stories of what it means to be a woman yeah. going through menopause, the story of what it means to be in your 70s and what kind of movements you're allowed to do, or what you shouldn't be doing. And yeah. it's it's been it's been like a two or three year process with some of these people just kind of having to remind them every day that that is a story and it's not real. And, and yeah, there's definitely times where I like come out of these uh, moments with people and I'm just like, Oh, like, why, like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to be the one that holds space and like somehow be the only person who, who has shown them the possibility, you know? And, and somehow it's my responsibility to not only widen that light in the tunnel, you know, like by like pushing away the rocks and blasting away the shit, but also pushing them towards it. It's just, it's, it's too much. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, something you said uh, that i remember. Uh, I got a conversation that I've heard like radio show where, you know, they, they, they spoke about how if you are of, a- The enlightened mindset. If you are elevated in a sense, and not to say that there's like you know like some sort of ego in being elevated, but in having more information and having more understanding and recognizing more of the truths of the world, you are morally obligated to bring the members of your community with you. You know, it's it's the, the the onus is on you to. Bring the light to them. So, like you said, push through and dig through the tunnel, but have them tied to your back. Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, if
0: they want to let go of the rope, that's not fucking them, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but you, you have the obligation to, like you said, dig through and find the light. Uh, and, yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs>
1: but, <Before> it <laughs> you know, I. I feel like I've been lucky though, because in the last year, I've actually decided that like while I was figuring all this out in my work as a trainer, that I didn't think that this was going to get solved in one on one sessions, personal training, <laughs> uh, which was why I actually thought about starting this podcast because like, what if people could have a library of conversations that are just all about expanding what movement is in all these ways? And then also, um, I've been trying to, create as many offerings I can setting up the intention that we're going to look at movement in a different lens. And that this isn't like anything you thought you understood about moving your body. I want you to throw it out the window. And for the next hour, just listen to what I have to say. Like, that's all I'm asking for some focused attention and engage with your body as though it's something completely new, as though like, those old things aren't at play and if they do come up because they do start observing that and, and find ways to interrupt that create a glitch in that hardwired system of your brain and then your body and how those two connect and start finding ways to have that not be the predominant story
0: you know you you can feel the energy of the speech you know there's the, the energy of the conversation uh, is right there at your fingertips. You can feel what's going on, and you know when when these people start to use language that's limiting or self-deprecating, or they let them allow themselves to go into that mindset. There are only certain behaviors you participate in when your head is in that space and when you're vibrating with that frequency.
2: Mm. You know, so
0: like when you can recognize yourself being little or thinking little or just really honing in on something that's not sharper you are not productive you can feel it in your biochemistry like it's there you know so like i hear them that way you know because there are certain parts of the story that are valuable but you can recognize which ones are and which ones aren't mm-hmm. like don't try to get me to like be a part of your city party right now because that's not what we are here. <laughs> you know
1: i'm here to do more for you than that <laughs> yeah let's be bigger please right <laughs> uh well, I actually am curious to know now that we've kind of been digging into some of the gritty work that we do, um, and you clearly have such a beautiful love story with movement, so this is going to be fun. Uh, what does movement mean to you, and how would you define it?
0: Movement, for me, uh, is, is how we interact with the mm. and uh, Movement is something that uh, we do by intention and through the uh, mechanism that is our body, it's our vessel, you know? So movement is simply an expression of
1: the intention of the mover and the capabilities of the vessel. Hmm. The intention of the mover and the capability of the vessel. Wow. Exactly. So... um, I'm trying to like think of, of what came up for me with when I was listening to that. So do you sometimes feel that um, people get locked with having a lot of intention potential and not a lot of capacity?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that,
0: that's another issue about uh, misguided expectations, right? You know, so not being honest with oneself about what you're actually capacity and having intentions that are outside of that ability. And then when you intend for movement that you do not have the capacity for, you're bound to be met with struggle mm-hmm. and heartache and you know bad food. Because you, you weren't true with yourself about what your body was able to do. And mm-hmm. you didn't recognize how the
2: capabilities of your body. Mm-hmm. You didn't test the capability of your body. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it, it can seem like a uh, mechanical
0: breakdown of sorts, but, you know, working in the rehab field and, you know, the way I've been looking at movement, you know, it's a numbers game. As Everything's a numbers game because there's laws that govern everything. You know, there, there's science and structure and rule and form uh, and relationships that all have quantifiable, measurable, uh, you know, formulas. And,
2: outcomes.
1: Mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny as you were talking, I was just kind of thinking of this um, if of how often people are actually like not connecting to movements that they are doing, right? I see this all the time, just like going through the motions and like it's like their brain somewhere else. And I mean, I even have clients who will like straight up say, like, oh, I wasn't here, like I was thinking, and I'm like, why like why are you paying me and <laughs> like why are we doing this? You know? Um but I think about like even the power um that it that it holds to actually marry your intention with your capacity, if you were actually to allow yourself that moment allow those two to meet and hold space for it and be present with it right not trying to do any more than you can but to like really allow yourself to get fully immersed in the experience of what you can do and I think about this a lot the times that I've been very honest with myself about what my capacity is on a given day and I actually meet myself with where I am that in some ways opens the door and like then by the end of it my capacity has grown but whenever i overshoot it and i go past what i can actually do that's usually where an injury will happen or some some sort of breakdown somewhere usually physically but sometimes it'll happen elsewhere too <laughs>
0: are really heavy into, you know, fitness or aesthetics or, like, bodybuilding or whatever. Like, I've known about like, a bunch of people who, like, are smart people. But they, their shoulder clicks every single time when they do a bench press. Mm. And they're not curious about it. Did you think that you just had sound effects on that? Side? Like, it's <laughs> just, like, it's supposed to click? Like, that's the thing that it does? Like, well, my knee kind of hurts when I do this. It's like, you know what? Your body wasn't designed to do while
2: you move. Something
0: hurts, you know? <laughs> it's like They don't they they push past certain things and neglect certain things or, or don't don't like you said, don't interrogate what their experience actually is. The the, the, the idea of body awareness that people have is so lacking. They, oh my they, God. they don't have it. They don't even look. You know, and I demand that of the people that I teach. Uh, is that you need to be feeling these things, you need to tell me what you're feeling, you need to focus on these things because I can
2: see what you're feeling for the mm-hmm. most part
0: but I need to know that that's what you're looking at, because that's what you should be looking at, is the experience of your movement, the experience of your parts mm-hmm. um, but it's not something that like you said, it's people check out you know, when when somebody isn't present through movement it's, it's like, would you stop paying attention to the road while you're driving. Like, you might know the road, but pay attention to it. I mean, like, hands on the wheel, keep yourself focused, drive with the the most clarity and the the cleanest possible route you can, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, I actually, you probably know this pretty well about me by now, but uh, a lot of my interest in movement is how it correlates to literally every other element of our beings. And, um, I actually think that the way someone engages with movement tells you a lot about how they engage with themselves, right? What their relationship is with themselves at its core. And when somebody is, is like always like in their head or gapping out or unable to focus that actually, I see that person as someone who tends to run away from confronting, like, what's going on, confronting the discomfort or what makes them upset, you know? Instead, always, like, trying to put a Band-Aid on the gash wound. And, you know, people who are really willing to, like, square off with movement and feel it all and, like, absorb it, those people are some of the coolest people I've ever gotten to meet, right? At least because I, I really gravitate towards people who, like, want to know, like, want to... Come into contact with truth, want to be standing in full integrity, want to like really experience and tell uh, that whatever knowledge that they can from these experiences. Yeah,
0: like you said, uh, the person who's constantly checking out the movement has erratic focus, you know? And that's what the discipline aspect of it really makes sense to me because somebody who has expanded and profound body awareness is very disciplined at shutting their brain up and paying attention to the experience of their body through movement. You know, the, the people who have that erratic brain that's bouncing from thought to thought, like you said, it isn't just about their body.
2: Mm-hmm. Their
0: thoughts are bouncing around all over the place and they can't digest the, the world that they live in. And the, the way that those people are going to conduct themselves with others is in this short, bursted, not full... Uh, L- lackluster, like not, not, uh, like, not rich conversations. You know, you're not, you're not going to really dig in deep with those people because they're bouncing from shallow thought to shallow thought because they're scared.
2: Mm-hmm. Again,
0: those are the scared people. Mm-hmm. They're the people who think that they're not worth enough, so they need to bounce around enough so you can't get a beat on. Them. You can't save your mouth. Yeah. You know, so because God, God forbid, he figured out to be a fake, whatever the fuck that means. You know, <laughs> it's a, not the people who actually interrogate what they are, how they move, and they can give focus to those things are honest. You know, I'm not, I'm not everybody's everything. You know, but I'm definitely me.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think there's something that. And I'm de- definitely attracted to those people who are honestly themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and really turned off. <laughs> well, you know i think I think we lived in a world where um we were so focused on success and survival. It was like initially survival, right it, like centuries ago, then it became about success, and then it became about kind of identity right and now and now I think the question of authenticity um I think it's actually coming up on the rise. And it's not it's not just a thing that's happening in these groups of people. I think it's a serious question that, like, as a collective, people are having to come into contact with now, which is why changing our perception and our relationship to movement is so important. I mean, to me, it's one of the easiest ways to actually, like, start to fix things on multiple levels all at the same time. Because it is, it's like a singular focus that's connecting through to everything else. I, I've never really found anything quite like it. And I'm an avid meditator, right? I, I like, I see a therapist. You know, I do all the stuff. I read books. I, I, I do everything I can. I'm, I'm a total junkie for like getting to know things way more than I think I do. But I don't know. Like movement always is surprising and it's always holding more than I thought it did. It's always honoring me with a little bit more wisdom sprinkled here and there and and I'm just like totally in awe of it all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, one of my friends, you may actually know Chandler Stevens, uh, he he has this great thing that he posted a few months ago. He's like, it's really hard to care about the polar bears and the ice caps melting when your back hurts. And it's, it's so true. Like when you, yeah. when you're like managing body pain, it, it like totally collapses your attention and narrows your focus. And like you were saying, it brings you down to that really low level of energy of like griping, complaining and, um, You know, it's so interesting whenever I do come across pain, which is very rare now, but sometimes that it'll come up and, like, to be like, huh, all right, like, how can I open up and receive what's being offered here instead of, like, going back into that narrow little, like, pestering and small-minded and... Uh, closed off focus with what's happening. I mean, you know, I've experienced a number of like traumas and uh, experienced
0: the dysfunction of those things. Today, you know, what I've come kind of to recognize pain as is uh, a message. So when I have pain in my body, it, it, and to be able to share that in a way to get people to actually like be awake and be present with their movement, I feel is where things definitely need to go. It's not working to be out of pain,
2: but recognizing that when you do have pain, your body's trying to cool something. And what it's trying to
0: tell you is, I need to be moved different, or you need to have more understanding of me. You mm. Need to be more aware. Mm-hmm. And it's like your body, like just like crying. It's like your body crying. But if you see a human crying, you're not gonna be like, what the hell are you doing?
1: <laughs> Shut
0: like, up. <laughs> can we just get back to the <laughs> cars? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like why why would you ignore your body in that same way? You know, so like for me, it's like, hey, sorry, buddy, what was I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you recognize you recognize it as that, and then it, it doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't have that same like narrowing in on, right? It was like a whoa, what? I didn't realize that was happening to me. Like let me let me interrogate this. Let me inspect what's going on here.
1: Yeah. So. Well, so- and like for me also, I think injuries have been some of the greatest lessons and and they've offered me the greatest gifts I like when I finally stopped you know telling the crying body part to shut up uh, and actually like listened to it and like you know gave it some space and and took care of it I I just was able, able to expand my facility in a whole new way you know because it it really was Something crying out to tell me, hey, you are like seriously fucking limited in the way you're trying to do all these things. It's not efficient. It doesn't make sense. And I'm tired. We're not doing it anymore. And, um, you know, then to be able to come out of that and then like work through it and and have the ability to open myself up to other ways of moving that supported the, the, uh, healing of that injury point and allowed it to come back in a way that made sense. Like I, I just had such an amazing, uh, transformation personally, going back into my own dance practice where when I was a full-time dancer, like my mobility was awful. My flexibility was awful. Like I I had like so many baseline things you think dancers have that work well, just were absolute crap. But I was a stellar compensator. Like I could just fake my way through anything. And when I started to get really honest about like what, what my container, what my vessel could actually do, what my capacity actually was and not push through that... I mean it just expanded so much to like now I'm doing things with my body that like I thought I didn't have the skeletal system to support. I actually didn't think my hips could be in a deep squat ever. And now I pretty much like live there. I think what would brought up in me were some of the feelings of our motives
0: for movement. Again, exceeding their capacity. You know, and, you know, all of these motives that are pushed on us, and without the full respect for what those movements uh, require of you. You know, just the fact that they, my 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 teacher needs me to, do, you know, my my coach needs me to work harder. You know, like all these other things that you know are, are disrespectful to the mindfulness of the movement and the respect that you should treat your body with, is to, to have something that moves with integrity. Like, integrity has a feeling. Integrity has an aesthetic. And that's, again, the heart felt. You know? But you mean I can't do this in a month? No, you can't. <laughs> You'll probably do to for the rest of your life, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I actually talk yeah. about this a lot in my classes I teach. Like, the illusion of of doing that cool move right or like that fun trick and the illusion of the athleticism and how like what's really exciting to watch in a mover um whether it's a dancer or just like a human being expressing themselves is the integrity and it's the authenticity that when when that truth gets space and it's let out like that's what's so hypnotic about people i mean When you watch somebody, even like if you're in a fitness center or like a gym and you go in to like work with some weights, the person who has like full integrity and intention and what they're doing and they're fully immersed, people stare at them. And they, in their minds, it's, oh, I'm staring because, you know, they're doing it so clean and with this weight. It's actually not about that. What you're reading is you're watching their focus and you're seeing that energy and you feel it and you're drawn to it. I mean... We as human beings, we're always reading energy through movement all the time. It's what we're hardwired to do.
0: There is something uh, to behold about the person who's in the gym with the longest upright posture holding a certain form. Um, but there's also you know, a certain number of falsehoods that may, uh, that person may have uh, you know, bought into. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, while he may be living with power and poise, uh, there are certain things about them that are disrespecting the, the, the structure of their body, mm-hmm. you know, and what the capacity of their body, And you can see what their intentions are. You can see what, what they're trying to do and whether or not they're doing, it. you know, whether they're misguided in their education and their awareness about it. You know, um, you know, I, you know, seem to get, I, I, I train in a, a gym that's like a all trainers. And the kind of focus I have when I exercise and when I exercise, when I move there, you know, is I, I hold in these positions or I move with the form or with elasticity or with flow that uh, there's an accuracy to what I do uh, and how I teach that gets the exact result that I'm trying to get.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I created a movement solution to a puzzle, and and found the the appropriate intentions that need to be had to create exactly what I want,
2: mm-hmm. without
0: artifacts, without poor movement remainders, but but something that is a pure reflection of structure, mm. and not a disrespect of structure, but a pure reflection of structure. And that's not to say I don't have things to improve, but I recognize the the ins and outs of my best.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. So uh, this actually leads me into my next question: uh, What has been the greatest gift that movement has given you? And there may be more than one. Feel free to share. Yeah,
0: I think I think the the greatest gift that movement has given me is you know literally this conversation we're having. You know, I get to have this conversation with people. In the world, and this is it's, it's something that isn't just about you know me. It's not just about my particular like Southern California swimming structure, the spring, uh, personal trainer, whatever life. It's things that all humans go through. It's stuff that I can share with all of humanity. Movement has become my purpose, and my my soul
2: life goal is to share these things and to to make other people's lives more
0: valuable and get them to share that with others because there's nothing that I've done through movement that hasn't spread positivity.
2: Hmm.
0: And that, that's, that's what movement has become. What it truly means to me is, you know, sharing the, the common good for the betterment of humanity.
1: Wow. It's like, I remember you recently talking about this of, the concept of being in service of of people and what that really means uh and, and that's just the first thing i thought of because i think your definition and the way you interact with it is ju- is just so connected like you said it's about something greater it's something the common person can connect to it's something we're all connected to it's not it's not this random thing that only applies to some people it applies to all of us it's communal and connective in nature <laughs>
0: When, when you teach somebody about how their body moves, it's not just their body gets better, it's their entire life better. That's what we're having a conversation about. And you know, I try to uh, almost obsessively talk to people about movement. Like, um if <laughs> if if somebody talks to me or asks me about like I hear somebody say like, Oh, my shoulder's doing a little something funny, like my head will like whip and like they they'll recognize that you know, it's a language that I speak and that, like, you know, I hear them, or I'm, I'm listening to them, you know, and that they can talk to me about these things.
2: Mm. And
0: still, even in that, people are still so guarded about, uh, you know, the way that you have conversations about movement to begin with. Mm. You know, so I just try to I educate myself on the tendencies of the human body to the effect that if anybody has a question that I can shed some light on, about the body and about movement, that I'm going to hopefully give them an answer that makes their day better, that makes their life better, that gives them some light and some sense of hope about whatever it is is going on in their life.
1: Yeah. Do you find that when you do that, that you're trying to find the simplest answer that makes sense for them at the same time?
0: Uh, I think that's about like, getting in, right? Yeah. Like, does your does communication actually land? And, you know, working with kids. Uh, has been a fantastic um, positive uh, influence on my ability to communicate, you know, and being able to break it down in words that are heard and digested.
1: Hmm. hmm. Great. Well, I think we're gonna just start wrapping things up. This has been an awesome conversation. But Gary, if you had any final thoughts or words of wisdom for our listeners what would they be? Be um,
2: the curious. I
0: think would be uh, the word that I would give them, uh, that there's a relationship to be had that can only be found through curiosity and a sense of adventure uh, in finding all, all of the relationships of your body, you know, and that it is meant to be an adventure over a complex, ah. you know, uh, and it's something that changes over time and is consistently renewing itself. Uh, And The only thing that you can do to really be there and meet it is
2: truly be curious.
1: I think curiosity is uh, by far the most important tool to take into consideration when you start engaging with movement because if you don't have curiosity, you don't have interest, you don't have that like, creative spark you don't have that sense of play and if you don't have that like you don't have a foundation to build on right and this is where uh, movement becomes exercise and then it becomes fitness and it becomes a chore <laughs> there we go back to that visceral like ugh. um but and it's it was never meant to be that right like think about before we had all this stuff i mean we were just like running around fields rolling down hills like swinging from trees it was it just like so much joy in the expression of movement itself yeah, man.
0: curiosity without expectation is the way that you're never let down and then that that like that curious child like you said um, gets to play with the earth and all of the things that are of the earth. Mm-hmm. you know and that's the beautiful thing is to be that childlike, Spirit of just pure love and admiration and intrigue about all things, mm. and I, I want I want to get back to that. Uh, mm. You know, there is definitely some of the your vessel can be used for certain goals, but you know sometimes those goals can just be to have a good time
2: and explore yourself.
1: You know, it's this is bringing me back to something I was reading this morning about how the mind is is actually the passenger right? The body is the car. And then like the heart or the soul is the driver. So the mind thinks it's in control. The passenger thinks it's controlling, but it really doesn't. And I just think this is a nice little loop back to what we first started talking about, about people trying to fill a need with like addiction and trying to fill a hole, fill a sense of love. And, And really as children, when we come into this world, we're very engaged with that loving presence. And Um, or that sense of it within ourselves and we allow that to take the lead and we allow our minds to just be this thing that kind of can influence a little bit from the back seat like give a little sense of observation right like stimulate a thought but in adulthood we get so wrapped up in letting the mind try and control everything and then we lose out on all these much like much needed and very important aspects of our of our experience here. Well, this was so great, Gary. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I had so much fun. How can our listeners find you if anybody has been listening to you talk and are just like, oh, I need to find out more about what he does and find him? Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this thing called movement. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. And if you're interested in connecting with me directly, you can find me on Facebook, under the name Marie Janicek and on Instagram at Marie Janicek. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and make sure to share with your friends and family. In the meantime, I can't wait to connect with you all next week when we bring on our next guest. Until then, make sure to get out there and move.